Hello, and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, this week, we are continuing our story of uh, Saint and Osiris. Uh, but before we get to that, we got a little bit of a elephant in the room uh, in terms of Destiny and Bungie. And we, Myth and I both figured, let's, let's just, let's just jump into this thing head first and see how cracked our heads are. Um, there's been a, there's, there's been a thing going on this week at Bungie, uh, with layoffs and, and it's it, not gonna lie. It has scared the shit out of me. And I think a little bit of myth too. Um, cause obviously like we, we, we're part of this community. We're like we, we, we do a thing that, that helps the thing. The two things that we want to address, number one, we're going to keep doing this. We absolutely love telling these stories. This, this, this has always been a lore podcast and will continue to be a lore podcast until we decide otherwise. And that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the stories in this universe because we love this universe. Uh, the second part of that is it, we don't we don't want to downplay um, the layoff portion that's going on at Bungie. Um, we know that that's it, it, a lot of people are affected by that, and it's and it's at the end of the day, Bungie is a company, and and a company or a corporation has one goal, and that is make money and make money efficiently. And so shitty things have happen because of that. Uh, and we, we're really sad about it, honestly. Like, I, I, I know plenty of people that have been laid off from their jobs, and it's, it's not, a fun, not a fun time. But we, Myth and I, don't want, didn't want to come off as like, hey, everything's fine and hunky-dory. Everything's great. No, we get it. It, it sucks. Um, but at the end of the day, Myth and I want to tell these stories. We want it. We want to keep telling these stories. So we're going to keep telling them. Uh, so now that we've got that out of the way, got all the all the bad stuff out of the way. Uh, let's get back to the fun stuff. Yeah. So last time we uh, we ended at the end of the Battle of Six Fronts, uh, the first major offensive against the city, and we kind of saw the fallout of that um, over the comms um, between all the all the kind of like the the major players of the of the battle Shaq's kind of poking at Saint like how many times did you die and Saint's like die <laughs> who are you <laughs> uh, and then of course Osiris Osiris had definitely the the biggest uh, it, it had the biggest impact on Osiris because Osiris had because he was doing his reflection thing and each of his reflections, um, could kind of like feel what's going on around him, and not just not just feel, but obviously, definitely see what's going around. So he's seeing all these deaths happen around the entire battlefield. He's not just seeing like one portion of it at any given time. Uh, and so that 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 fucks with him. It messes with his head. Like it's it's it drags him down a bit. Um. So yeah. So now now we're gonna kind of see the after effects of that, like. What happens to the city? What happens to Satan Osiris? Obviously, mainly Satan Osiris, because that's the series that we're covering right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, to kind of see like the the 
the fallout of the first major offensive against the the last city. Yeah, so um so we are going to be picking up uh this episode more or less where we left off. Uh our first reading is going to be chapter 11 of the Pigeon and the Phoenix um lore book uh which is entitled Breathe. And this is uh, taking place pretty much right after the Battle of Six Fronts, or, or the the immediate uh, weeks following, I should say, um, and kind of giving a bit of a, a a vibe check on like how people are feeling, how this has affected um, Saint, and later on we'll see um, Osiris to a degree, and how this structures the city going forward. Uh, so say this is again, chapter 11 and it goes like this at the perimeter of the risen walls sectioned off from the rest of the city, tiny farms sprout from war rich soil and sow green dashes across plowed paddies, snake weave vines, trellis up war husk remains long since abandoned the weeks since six fronts had left the city in a rare lull. Wildflowers bud in the light of the traveler. The rains would come soon. Loose summer fabrics that dance colors against the sun gave way to textured wool and wrapped layers deeper in hue. Emerald tassels ripple in the wind atop iron poles, creating a wide seed row for tomorrow's festivities. Ikora leads citizens from the city core to partake in the remembrance. Saint lifts the yoke from his shoulders, and they smile to each other. He did not expect so many to walk the seed row with them before the festival. He greets each passerby as they enter the grounds. Some shake his hand, some thank him. Some present violet ribbons that lace through his metallic frame. Birds perch high on the points of the wall. Zavala drives the final tassel poles to form a ward-clash circle. Shax stands monolithic over a swarm of children, their entire being transfixed on him as he recounts moments of heroism in theatrical detail. Anna coaxes solar firecrackers into lanterns and sets them at the fore of the seed row for revelers. Osiris is absent, preoccupied with insatiable predilections that drive him to worry. The world had grown around him. Saint watches citizens take their turn through the seed row. Seeds scatter over each of them and the wind carries their lanterns across fields and over the walls. Fiery glow bursts against the encroaching dusk as the people complete their circuit and return home. Guardians finish preparations and filter to their nightly posts. Activity wanes into stillness. Anyone you want to remember? Anna hands Saint an empty lantern. He turns it in his hands. What will you do when we beat back the darkness? When there is peace? 
I don't know, she sighs. You ever wonder about the other thirteen? I think about that sometimes. I am happy with just fourteen. Anna grips his shoulder. Me too, Saint Fourteen. She sprinkles a handful of seeds over him. Make sure you walk the row. It's getting dark. And she smiles. I will. Thank you, Anastasia. Anna nods. You know it's just Anna, she says, as she makes her way back to the city. Saint Fourteen fills the lantern with void light and walks the row. For Marin, he says. And he sits. Pigeons perch on him, picking out the seeds in the cracks of his armor. He watches the lantern until he can no longer distinguish it among the stars above. Good birds. I'm glad you found a home here. That's the end of that chapter. Oh, It's like super sweet, but it's like super sad. Like. <laughs> yeah, so this is a... a uh, remembrance they're literally sowing seeds of uh flowers or or whatever you know plants that these are belonging to uh on the battlefield where people had fallen uh they're they're Very building much like a circle of lifestyle right? yeah like, yeah they're they're building bring, bring a garden where there was death yeah mm-hmm. uh and so you know it it Saint is, uh, and it's interesting to see the, the interaction with Anna here because e- even now, this is Anna Bray, by the way. I uh, even now she's she's like, do you ever wonder about your other thirteen lives? Like what came before fourteen, perhaps before resurrection? I uh, and Saint is very seems very much not interested. Sure, he's, he's like, this is the life I have, and that's that's fine. So we're honestly kind of seeing a little bit of of Anna's beginning poke through here too, just a little. Like, like she's curious about the other fourteen. I wonder if because I I know Anna didn't split off from the tower until Twilight um, Gap. Twilight Gap. Yep. And so where she was like presumed dead because she was missing, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm I, I I'm curious if like her thinking about that going well what what was life like before this um was kind of like a like a driving force for her to like start looking in her own past and and find out who was anastasia who was who was this person that i am now yeah um i don't know that this moment in particular is like the first time she thought of it uh but i think it definitely shows that those kinds of questions have been on her mind even since sure. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know exactly when she was resurrected in relation to this, but you know, presumably, ever since very early years as a guardian, she's been wondering about herself and or the technology tied to her former family, and like, what does it what does it mean? What what actually like how does all of that uh, work and and uh, you know create the things that she's seeing now. So, uh, but as Saint is down amongst the people in this, this remembrance ceremony, um, as he says, Osiris is missing, is, is absent. Uh, and so we can see what Osiris was doing in the next chapter, 
um, which is entitled Margins, Part 1. I, so this is Chapter 12 of The Pigeon and Phoenix, and it goes like this. Osiris sits in the small stone garden beneath the traveler, his attempts at communion unsuccessful. He had seen the speaker stand here for hours. Ikora had begrudgingly agreed to appear in his place at the remembrance. Her words were stern, but deep down, she knows victories have lulled in complacency. There is an imminent, daunting pressure. A noose awaiting a misstep. A delicate game. Braziers cast shadows, distracting shades flickering across his eyes, breaking his concentration. Osiris breathes. The stone gardens are endless space. The skyline is raised horizon. He, he breathes again. He is alone in the void intrusions no more. There is a point in the depth. It cannot be directly viewed. And so he delves, he dives, deeper. Still only a single point in the aphotic depth. And then nothing. Expansive. Osiris sinks to gain new perspective, and the point remains. It is so faint distant, though he knows he can see the light, his reach stretched thin, clarity in the space between his hand and the point, the osseous white point, dim now, the omnipresence was hungry in acknowledgement, and vast, himself against the enormity an endless unfurling midnight and a single lone point. And that's the end of this chapter. I definitely, he, he's feeling this loss. He's, he's, this, this is getting to him. The loss of the city is really starting, or not the loss of the city, the loss of, uh, uh, that he's, the losses he saw around the battlefield they're affecting him they're getting to him oh yeah and so he's he's like trying to enter this meditative state here um and he's trying to commune with the traveler he's sitting right. on on this this balcony or alcove near the traveler he's seen the speaker you know supposedly talking to the traveler in this very same spot and so he's trying just to try, do the just same trying to get some answers and uh and yeah cuz i think a big Somewhat uh, similar to The Witness, actually, in some ways, Osiris's driving thing uh, has always ha seems to have always been like, there has to be more than this. Yeah. Like, there has to be more than just surviving to tomorrow. There has yep. to be something more. Uh, and Osiris doesn't necessarily seem to internalize that as there needs to be a grander purpose. He's internalizing it as there's a grander enemy that we aren't seeing that we need to defeat before we're actually safe. Ooh. Like, he, really, like really trying to look at the bigger picture, right? Yeah, because he's saying there's, you know, there's a noose awaiting a misstep. There's a delicate game being played. 
uh, and he's trying to find anything that can point him to like, what's the real enemy? What's the real thing that I should be, that we should be focusing on that's actually the biggest threat to us, not just the fallen at our walls. Um, and the way that it's described here with his meditation, it almost seems like he's not necessarily getting close to communing with the light. It almost seems like he's getting close to communing with the dark. Cause it, it's, yeah. we see that like delve dive deeper. Um, you know, he's re- he's, he, his reach is stretched thin. There is clarity in the space between his hand and the point, which we know clarity has been used by uh, Clovis um, to describe the dark. Uh, well, the fact that he's talking about void here, we know void is kind of that gray area, right? Right. Like voice, uh, it's, it's, we use it as a light ability, but it's, it's pretty close to dark. And we see a lot of like, I mean, hell, we see the, the uh, tormentors, they use void light. Mm-hmm. I, I say void light. They use void abilities. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to call it void light because they are a uh, what I would think is an entity of pure darkness. Um, but yeah, so like void is that is that questionable like, and and I think Ikora. I want to say it was back in D one when you start learning about the void. She talks about getting lost to it. Yeah, and that's like like the void is like the dangerous subclass to like mess around with. Yeah, to you can kind of lose your mind to uh, if you focus on it too much or or lose control of it, um, and and the vision he's given here is uh, himself against an endless unfurling midnight and a lone white point, which is described as being dim. So I I think what his vision he's getting here is him. And this dim point of light, which I take to be the Traveler. I was going to say, I, I'm thinking that that point is the Traveler. Yeah. So I, I think he's he's getting this vision of himself and this weak Traveler that's barely holding on against this unending wave of dark. Just so much darkness. Yeah. And now he wouldn't be in a position to know necessarily what any of that might signify but for us coming to this you know from near kind of the end of the light and dark saga like this could be a warning from the traveler like maybe he he was successful in communing and the traveler was telling him like there is so much out there that's that's coming uh oh truly giving him that answer of like yeah there really is a big baddie out there like, yeah there's a bigger baddie or maybe he's he he has tapped into the dark in some way, not necessarily the witness, but just dark energy for the the first time without even realizing it. And now he's he's seeing like the dark is so overwhelming by comparison to what the traveler you know, like the traveler's state at this time. Yeah. Either way, not a great vision to have. No, 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 no. Especially especially with how much the this battle really has affected him and his and his his mental state. Yeah. Uh so he's in this vision and uh we get a direct continuation of what happens next in the next chapter. So this is chapter 13 margins part 2. Uh and his uh, meditation is interrupted by somebody. And it goes like this. 
I am pleased to see you here. May I sit? He spoke. Cloying noise, the stone garden is now present. Osiris is once again present. And the traveler, a monarch against a bleak, crepsicular ink. You may. Osiris stands. Stay. Osiris halts. And he turns towards the speaker. The light of the traveler washes against the bone-white hue of his mask. Is something needed? There's so much activity in the city. I feel it has been too long since we last spoke. Osiris hangs, silent. He looks to the traveler. There is a daunting pressure. Please, what troubles you? And the speaker steps towards Osiris. And Osiris inhales sharply. You have read my reports. Of course. The speaker loosens his posture. And I value your counsel. We were so close. A moment in the wrong place. And Osiris looks to the speaker. And the speaker nods. Yes, but the light guided your path. A noose awaiting a misstep. I did not see the traveler on the six fronts. The traveler dwarfs Osiris as it hangs over him. But you did, my son. It was in the fire that saved your brothers and sisters. It was in the arc bolts that ripped through the armies of fallen, the violet shield that held the line. Do not romanticize this burden. What we wield is a weapon. The speaker shakes his head. The light wields you, Osiris. You are what you make of it, a glorious extension of its majesty in many directions. Osiris paces at cadence with his words. Then it would do well to speak clearly, to better direct me. The speaker cocks his head. Without will, then it would be no better than the darkness. I am only asking for guidance. It is a delicate game we are playing. Osiris's voice is distressed now. The speaker resumes his regal posture and then motions to the stone garden. Will you sit with me? And that's the end of that chapter. Osiris is presenting a lot of um, maybe dark points here. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's very much consumed with this idea of like, we the the light is just we just weaponized it like that's all we that's all we are like we're just kind of like blind children and it's 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 interesting to think like what point in time this is uh in in destiny universe to think of like we went from a a, a golden age where everything was like great fantastic garden world on mark on mercury venus was livable now and 
vast cities on Mars and stuff, and then to go into the Dark Age uh, post-collapse, and then it was just all dark. Like even mm-hmm. even the Risen that were there were they were ruthless. They 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 had no purpose. They had no drive, and it was a very slow evolution into this point of like, hey, we have this gift. Like we need to use it for good, and you know, kind of combat out the darkness, like, and, and we're definitely seeing Osiris here take that combat out the darkness in a very literal sense, like, okay, so, so because this is combat, I, I have to weaponize the light, like, this is the thing, and, uh, but he's, he's, he's not getting, he's not getting direct orders, he's not saying, hey, go here, kill this, go there, defend that, um, it's it it to him it just seems like blind blind combat for the sake of blind combat yeah i mean and someone from his perspective where he is very much like there's a bigger threat out there there's something else we're supposed to be doing like we need to prepare ourselves and and he's asking this object of his faith and and i think that that's an important thing to note here like you know, not to get, not to draw too many real world parallels. Um, but this, this is essentially a, a, a patron of a faith in the speaker, you know, be that a Pope or, a you know, a Bishop or whatever it may be. Uh, a patron of the faith is talking to someone that is having a crisis of their faith and that oh, being yeah. Osiris and Osiris is, is doing the, like, I know there's something bigger out there that we need to be preparing for, that we need to be doing something about. Why has my God essentially not told me what I need to do to get ready for that? Why have I, I just want direction. I just want someone to tell me what I'm supposed to do to keep people safe. Yeah. And you know, the, the speaker is, is doing the, I will say classic redirection of sure. uh, like, well, you know, if, if they just told you what to do, then you wouldn't be your own person. You wouldn't have your own, your own will. And, you know, they, there'd be no better than the darkness, which the speaker is using as, you know, the boogeyman. Right. Uh, like, and I won't say avoiding the question, but he's kind of avoiding the question. You know, he's turning yeah. it all back on like, Everything you do is uh, by the the traveler's design because you wouldn't be able to do it if the traveler didn't allow you to. Like it, it it's that kind of self fulfilling prophecy. Um, yep. And Osiris, I don't think is really having any of it. <laughs> no, no, no. He's he's definitely seeing through this, and he's like, wait a second, this is this is bullshit. Like, <laughs> there's no way that this is this is the path. Like, this is it. Yeah, and um, and so it, it's kind of implied at the end there that I think the the speaker is is you know giving him the like, well, come down, let's let's sit, let's uh, you know, continue the discussion, try and and guide him in in some way, uh, for for what the speaker interprets the traveler's will to be, uh. And it's interesting, the speaker also refers to Osiris as son. Um, now, 
I and we also know that Saint, uh, as we'll see later on if we haven't already, uh, Saint refers to the speaker as father, and the speaker also refers to Saint as son. Um, I clearly that's not like in a you know genetic uh right. way. Um, well, because we saw the speaker helping the ghost find right Saint and resing him, so like. Clearly, this was not Papa. Papa Speaker. Is the Speaker a guardian? I don't believe. No, no, they're not, because they don't have a ghost. They don't have a ghost. That's kind of mind. I don't know why I never put that to that together. That is mind blowing to think that, like, just a dude, like a a, a non guardian, non light bearer dude, is kind of guiding all these light bearers. Yeah, but when you are the person that proclaims themselves to be the that's one a, that's that hears, yeah, that's a the fucking one, dangerous game to play, myth. <laughs> the one that hears the intention of that's the a, object a, of faith. That's a fucking dangerous game, myth. That's a really <laughs> dangerous game, myth. Speaker, well, yeah. what are you getting at? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so for, for Saint, I think it's a little more familial because the speaker was literally like the first person he saw after he yep. was, you know, reborn. Um, I imagine, I imagine Saint waking up and going, Papa. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Uh, for Osiris though, you know, we have no indication that, that the speaker was, was a part of his life early on. I think sure. it's more of a, um, Again, it's more in that religious sense of, you know, they, uh, religious officials, um, are sometimes referred to as, you know, a father. The father. Yeah. Uh, nope. And they I usually gotcha. refer to their disciples as, you know, son or daughter or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, uh, the way that that terminology is being used here. But so we see that while Osiris is kind of struggling, with um this idea of like there's a bigger bad out there uh saint is struggling in a different way um and so we see in chapter 14 uh entitled patron uh that saint is taking on a, a different burden uh so this one goes like this stone laid roads lead Saint-14 through the city. He walks them most days when he is home, when time permits. The people wave, they cheer, they bring offerings of their support and adoration. Breads, tokens, wonderfully spun tassels and bands of royal purple hue. His name had become synonymous with the guardians an image to be adhered to, to be revered. He smiles and shakes, his, shakes their hands. He smiles and accepts their gifts. Their joy is his. And he feels the weight of their royal ribbons around his neck, drawn tight by expectation. His armor is faith, and it slips and loosens in transit. They sing together, he shares bread with the chorus of voices, 
He ties ribbons of his own in their hair. And he remembers that his joy is theirs. And they sing him a new song. And their voices shine bright. That's the end of that chapter. A vastly different perspective here. Yeah. Like, Osiris is definitely... Dude, now it just makes sense that they're a couple. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Osiris is this dark and brooding, downtrodden, (laughs) like, oh, the world is shit. And Osiris is like, no, no, no. It's okay. Everything is fine. Like, look, we're bringing joy to the city. We're bringing... Dude, it it just makes sense now. No, opposites (laughs) attract. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do think it's worth pointing out that as much as this is about like celebration and you know they love him and he is happy to make them happy, you know that that line of like he feels the weight of their ribbons around yeah. his neck, yeah. like he he knows that their expectations yeah. of the what a guardian should be are on his shoulders. Yep. Yep. It's it's funny too cuz like it, it started off as just like a you know well, I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to be a guardian. I'm going to do what a guardian does and and not looking to be a hero of the city or anything like that. Just do what needs to be done and now that has evolved into legend. Um and it's it, it's funny cuz that's like the whole like destiny thing is like become legend. Um and that's what Saint has done here. He's he's written himself into the history books by just doing his job. And I think from his point of perspective, from his point of view and his perspective, he's seeing it as, well, I'm just doing my job. Like mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just being a guardian. That's this is what a guardian does. And then to but to have it um uh kind of amplified uh through the stories that are being told about him and you know now you know it, it um <laughs> I'm thinking of the kids like see, Bring a ribbon to your saint. Almost oh, is like the the coin to to your witcher yeah. type thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I think of in the city. Like they they're they're like you know if you present a ribbon to him and tie it to him, then you'll live forever. And and it's like it that legend is now get growing grander and grander and grander. And it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a heavy weight for him to to carry. It is, and yeah. Uh, remember the last reading uh, that we did where Saint was was you know, on one of his escapades to, to save somebody, I like they, they gave him the purple handkerchief and they, they said like, everyone knows you got to give St. 14 his due when you see him. Like it's, it's become a a myth propagated throughout. Yeah. Like even outside the city. Uh, So, and say we are now moving forward in time a little bit. Um, and we we saw actually this a little bit with that last entry where the the streets are now stone. It's stone laid streets. Uh, it's no longer just mud trails between you know tents. I uh, we're starting to reset city age, right? Yeah, we're we're starting to see the city be built. Um, and uh, now we're seeing reference to uh, the tower. Um, don't know if this is the same tower as D one or just a tower that happened, you know, in the transition, uh, to D one, but they've, they've built at least a tower, uh, to kind of be the, the overlook for, um, guardians and, or, uh, the speaker and, you know, 
people of import. Uh, so we're we're on the tower now for this entry, uh, which is chapter 15, titled Shepherd. And it goes like this. Father and son stand atop the tower. The city blooms as they watch, radiating outward into a lively sprawl beneath the traveler. Six fronts was a rallying cry, ringing out to call humanity to its next great cause. Thousands made their way to the last city gates, looking for credence to the many promises their hope had whispered during dead long nights. Did you imagine it would be like this when we first arrived? St. Fourteen leans against the tower railing, and the speaker looks over the bustling city streets. No, in so little time. But I always believed we were capable. Do you remember when I first awoke? I do. You told me that I would be an example for others to follow. How did you know this? I didn't know. I believed in your potential. The traveler dominates a wash of blue. Beams of light cascade across its surface in a twinkling dome against the lonesome far-off mountains. I often think of the choices we make, whether they are the right ones, whether those we have lost would agree. I try to honor their memories. We are fragile beings, exos as well. It is good to question, to look within yourself. And the speaker grips St. Fourteen's shoulder and pulls his stance straight. Well, I cannot begin to know the sacrifices you have made for us. I can tell you that loss is a part of life's sweetness. Saint nods. It has taught me many lessons. He raises his head, and they watch the city shift and flow. What will you do when we have won? The speaker patiently stitches the words together in his mind. Geppetto and I searched many barren miles before we crossed the Cosmodrome. She had almost given up hope. And he turns to face St. Fourteen. That little light knew exactly where to find you. Once she was given the proper place to look. The speaker chuckles to himself. There is no before or after, my son. We try, we doubt, we grow. It is all one path. And that is the end of that chapter. Very much seeing the, uh, I, the, the title is very appropriate, Shepherd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely seeing that, like, shepherd the flock. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, again, I, we keep saying we're drawing comparisons to, to religion, but it, the, the, the first um, 
Vanguard really was, I mean, all these factions, yeah. they were very religious in nature. Like, they, they, they looked at the Traveler as a god. Like, they revered it as a god. And the Speaker is like the, the, the median between the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, between the god and the people. And so, yeah, it's... And then, I mean, hell, we see all the time people having crisis of faith. Zavala is a, obviously a huge one, um, uh, especially in more recent times. Uh, but, I mean, to see Osiris in, in the previous one, to see him have it. And then for for Saint here, he's kind of like, well, what do we do when we win? Like, right now we have a purpose, we have a drive, we have a focus. But, like, what happens when that stops? And then for the speaker to be like, well, there is no end. There's no beginning either. Like, it's just the path. Like, we are just walking the path. It's very, very, very elegant uh, on the speaker's part, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is interesting to see, like, Osiris's question that he is a, he keeps asking himself and, and others is, like, what's the next big, big bad? What can we do to, to prepare for it? Or what is the real big bad? Sure. Uh, and Saint's question that he keeps asking to himself and others is, am I doing the right thing? Uh, you know, that, that's his main concern is like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I, <laughs> am I a good person? Uh, kinda. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, don't know. Am I? <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's, you know, he says, I often think of the choices we make, whether they are the right ones, whether those that we have lost would, would agree that we're doing the right thing. Um, and I, I think some of this goes back to, you know, that we know that Saint has seen, our guardian way back on that very first, you know, mission to Mercury, he's seen what the city can and hopefully will be. And so on one hand, I think that's given him motivation of like, I know it can get better. On the other hand, that's almost given him a, like a point of comparison to be like, at all times he's asking himself, am I doing the thing that gets us there? that gets us yeah. to a good peaceful place Give, giving himself that that drive that like right perpetuating the 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 what would you call that i i, I guess that's just the best way to put it is perpetuating the drive of of like keep well, being a good person keep keep the yeah. city keep keep humanity going I so it's definitely it's definitely a motivator but I would I would also argue that he's constantly comparing himself to the vision of what he thinks he should oh, be. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Like no matter what he does, I don't think Saint will ever think he's done good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And he's Man, seeking that's, that's, validation. That's tough, though. Yeah. No, I oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's tough though. That's 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 rough. I can't Oh it is. That's it rough. It is. That's what happens when you become a legend. Like you can't like you can't unbecome a legend. Like Right. Like once once you're elevated to that status of of I mean just short of godhood is is what I think that that the 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 image in his head that he and I think that's the thing too is like he has this image of himself in his head of what the of what he thinks the people think he is. Right. And so like to have that as like the standard 
and be like, am I living up to this? Am I am I doing good enough to to be that standard? That's a that's a very very heavy burden to put on your own shoulders. Uh, in Saints' case, yeah, and uh, and yeah, so Saint has this this discussion with uh, the speaker, who I think it, it, you can say is Saints' like closest confidant, at least at, at this point in time. Um, sure. you know, he he believes wholeheartedly that like the speaker will never lead him astray um and so you know he's again he's seeking validation there uh it's implied i don't know if we have anything specific that tells us but it's implied that this is the point uh or or around this time period is when the vanguard in the way that we know it was formed like the original, uh, like the, one, the original one, warlock, one hunter, yep. one titan, to speak for many. Well, I, I, I guess that's a question I've I've always cur- been curious about the vanguard. Are they speaking for the for the individual um, classes, or are they kind of like the guidance for the individual ca- classes? I think it's more that. I think it's more they are the. What does it mean to be a titan? What does it mean to be a hunter? What does it mean to be a warlock type thing? I, I think it's it's a little bit of that, and it's a little bit of they are commander in chief of their branch. Oh, it's like a two part. They not only from a religious standpoint, but also from a commanding standpoint and yeah. military standpoint. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm following. Yeah. So um, at this point in time, the vanguard is in place with uh, Saint as the um, Titan vanguard. Uh, Osiris as the Warlock Vanguard and uh, Tallulah Fairwind as the Hunter Vanguard. So the first of each are are those members. Um, but there has to be a leader of the Vanguard. Like there needs right. to be somebody that uh, is is the unifying voice, which is the Vanguard Commander, um, who is Zavala for us currently. I uh, and for a very brief time was saint uh so we see saint getting that title and then what he does with it in this next entry uh this is a web lore entry so something that they put out in like a blog post um type situation uh that's just titled vanguard commander uh and this one goes like this Osiris and Saint stood on a tower platform overlooking one of the six paths into the city. The road behind the wall still burned with scorching pits of blue flame. So pause. This seems like it would be closer to six fronts concluding then, where they decided, like, we need a military structure. Um, so, continuing. Vanguard Commander Saint-14, says Osiris. What a ludicrous title. The consensus wants a new leader in the wake of all of this, Saint replied. He shook his head as he gestured at the destruction beyond the city limits. It is time. Will you serve them well? Osiris replied, manipulating a cube-shaped device into an array of smaller hexahedrons that floated between his fingers. 
vex components, Saint thought. But I am afraid it's not a title I can keep. Osiris looked up. Father has plans for me, Saint continued. Giving up commandership in one day. That's a record. So go, be a titan for the speaker. After this madness, they will need you to rebuild. I put the titan aside for this mission. I am a soldier. There is difficult work to be done. Osiris narrowed his eyes. What has he asked you to do this time? Take the fight to the fallen. Seek them out beyond our borders. Find them wherever they are. Strike first and hoard. This is precisely what I mean when I say the speaker likes to lead you astray, Osiris muttered. You would not say that if you saw what the Fallen had done to our people out there. You have forgotten how to see. The Fallen are not so different from us. How hard would you fight if the light were taken from you? Those stories ring false to me, said Saint. They are not a noble people. I have fought them, and so have you. I have not fought them all, the warlock replied, pulling his hands apart to create an intricate web of hovering cubes and light. They are nothing, no threat, not like the Vex, not like the darkness. Saint stepped close enough to breathe on Osiris. Look past the wall, brother. Are you blind? Osiris folded the device into his palm and met the titan's gaze. You know I'm the only one watching the whole canvas. But you have lost sight of why we fight. Osiris turned away and tossed the cubes again to form a miniature constellation in the twilight sky. As ex-commander... You have power to dictate a replacement, should you choose. So who's it going to be? I have recommended you for the position of vanguard commander. Osiris turned at this. The cubes hung listlessly in the air. You want to give me control over the databases, the vaults, jurisdiction over Owl Sector, access to the last city grimoire? I want you to protect our people, Saint said. For all our disagreements, you are one of the few who can. The warlock stared at the titan with an unchanging expression. We don't have the resources to do this twice, Saint continued, motioning to the wreckage. I fought representatives of every house across this conflict. It was a joint effort to exterminate us. If threat should come to the city ever again, you will have to fight in my stead. I accept, 
And that's the end of that one. Well. Hmm. 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 Don't know. I don't. Hmm. So that's, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> hmm. Saint has been uh, elected by the consensus to be the commander of the vanguard. Uh, has held that position for a day, <laughs> if that, <laughs> if that, and is now handing that position to Osiris. Hey, look, responsibility, all yours now. Yeah. Bye. I love, I love the perspective, the, the reverse perspective on it too. That Osiris is like, wait, you're giving me access to all this shit, and it's like, no, you fucking <laughs> warlock, <laughs> shut up. That's not what I'm doing. I want you to protect everything. Oh, like the books? More than the books, you little shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting that the reason that Saint is without question giving up this leadership role, one that I think resonates with him very strongly because he sees this as like, this is the 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 protector. This is the person that is in charge of making sure everyone else has what they need to, to keep everything safe, which is a, is a big thing for him. Like that's, that is his, that's one of his main driving forces is keep the people safe, but he's giving that up because the speaker has told him, I need you to go be a soldier and take the fight to the fallen. And like, that's, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> can't can't do both. Can't yeah. be a commander if you're in the well, I I guess you can, but it's no, it's it's a lot harder if you're running the missions. If you're if you're in the if you're in the shit doing the doing the deed. It's that's that's hard to that's hard to do both roles. And and I think this is a lot more than just being in the in the fields. This is this is Saint's Crusade. Yeah. This is the start of him becoming the saint to the yep. fallen i uh, where you know he doesn't go back to the tower like he he is gone for a period of time i uh, doing nothing but truly genocide yeah like that that's what it is yep what vip 2014 does best yep yep we are really good at that it's kind of <laughs> scary we are really good at destroying entire civilizations. We've done it a couple times now. We're weird. It, we are, are we the baddies? I mean, we do have skulls skull, on some of our armor. I've got a skull on some of my armor. <laughs> <laughs> but, some of my uh, armor is just a skull. <laughs> Looking at you, dire skull of Ahamkara. Yeah. Yeah, there's I'm another one we just wiped wearing out. a skull. <laughs> <laughs> we might be the baddies, myth. Oh god. Uh, but uh no, so we know that Saint is off to his crusades against the fallen and we have a entry that is not available in game because it is exclusive to the Destiny Grimoire Anthology Volume 2. Super secret squirrel entry. Yeah. So um, this is an entry 
that is told from the perspective of a baron that survived saint during this time. Uh, and kind of the, the gives us a glimpse into what, what it was like to be on the other side. Um, and so this is titled the Baron of Shanks. Uh, and to, to give some perspective here, uh, this is, uh, a elixir by the name of Secris, who is known as the Baron of Shanks, um, who at the point in time of, of this, um, lore piece had become a shadow of Callus. And Callus uh, was using him to execute missions with the intention at the time of uh, killing Dominus Gaul prior to the events of Destiny 2. Uh, trying to get revenge on Gaul for kicking Callus out. You can listen to our Cabal history if you don't know what's going on there. Um, but Callus is asking him to to tell this story about kind of like this this big changing event that happened for Secris. Uh, and it goes like this. It is the eve of our mission to end the life of Dominus Gaul. The shadows are ready. But my Kel Callus, ever mindful, demands one more record for posterity. This is a story I have told him over and over. He has cried laughing at it. I do not share his love of it, but he is my Kel, so I shall tell it one last time. Before I was a shadow of Callus, I called myself Baron. Baron of what? Of nothing, really. I am not special among my people. My generation was born of the whirlwind. We are all of us misers, and misers learn very quickly to show strength or die. Even false strength is better than none. So I was a baron of Shanks. My specialty was and is in the design and armament of Shanks. My house and I made our den at the edge of the system. We hoped to be as far from the war against humanity as possible. It found us anyway. Or rather, he did. The saint. The violet king of humanity's last city. The fiercest of all those called Titan. Along with five other lights. They attacked our settlement in the night and raised it in a matter of hours. The saint was on what his people call a crusade. He hunted all Elixni across the system, and today it was our turn. By the time I was awake, I was one of the last few remaining. By the time I had activated the defensive schemata hidden across our encampment, I was the only remaining. I watched from the shadows in my stealth skin as my army of shanks tore five lights apart. And when, to my amazement, the lights stood up, I set my shanks to an interminable setting 
for as long as the lights stood, my shanks would not stop firing. Their arc cannons sang into the night. I was a miser, but I built my shanks well. That left only the saint, and somehow he could smell me. He knew something or someone guided these shanks, and he hunted me, and I ran until we reached my final refuge, a bunker constructed as a last resort. Not for the first time in my life, my people were all dead. I had nothing left to lose. I made certain to wait for the furious amethyst divider on his helmet to appear in the distance before I entered the bunker. I wanted him to follow me, and he did, along with his shank, through a battery of web grenades and proximity charges. He finally cornered me inside the bunker, shining armor dented and blackened, the divider on his helm glowed an angry purple, and the light around him a sizzling void. Up close, the saint was a freakish thing. Its grace belied its size. It hurtled forward with the armor of a walker and the speed of an arc bolt. Even its movements had movements. I scrambled backwards, tilting my head back to avoid a slash from his boiling void shield. I could hear my own breath as the conjured metal sizzled just past my throat and came back for another slice as it missed. I ducked, and he knew I would, and his knee found my face, cracking the heads-up display in my helmet and sending me reeling backwards. Three strikes in the space it took me to process the single one. My odds to finish this fight were poor but I had him. As I stumbled back, bleeding from several open wounds in my face under the helm, I keyed a control on my waist rig, and a barrier blurred to life between us as the blade of Saint's shield cracked against the space in front of my eyes, and bounced back with a ringing clang. I blinked and stepped back. He stopped, too to survey his surroundings. He was stuck. The barrier kept him from advancing, and the switch on my belt had shut and locked the playsteel door behind him. I sat back, exhausted, ether and blood dribbling from my face beneath my helmet. Gunfire rang out in the distance. We stared at each other, across the light of the barrier. In those days, I spoke only the language of my people, but I had once stolen a glossator from the house judgment in the event that diplomacy with our earthborn successors was necessary. I wished I had had the chance to use it before the killing had began. But instead, I used it to speak anyway. Your comrades are still fighting to stand. I did not know the light could bring you back from the brink. I had heard rumors from other houses, but I had not believed them. The saint's boiling shield dissolved into the air, and he stared at me with the expressionless eyes of his helmet. 
It is the quintessential gift of the light. Your people held it before. What did the traveler gift you? Many things, I lied. I had no idea. Secrets were lost to time, hidden in half-truths. He took a moment to think. What do you hope to accomplish here? He asked after a moment. I have questions, I replied. What would you like to know? The Battle of Six Fronts, the sieges at Boyle Pass, the breaking of the weapons of rain. You have done so much. So I have been told. Everyone asks about those days. What do they ask? They ask how I did it. I laugh. It made me bleed, and I wince. That is not what I would ask. Then what would you ask? I would ask why you did it. The expressionless playsteel face stared at me. What gave you the right? I said. If you saw what your people have done on my world, you would know, he replied. The great machine, do you commune with it? I asked. To this, he did not respond. Reality bent with a warbling shriek, and his shield reappeared in his hand. He started to look for a way out, scanning the corners of the room and the barrier projection system. I think I can kill you, I said as I watched him. The saint said nothing and continued his survey of the chamber. Your small shank came in here with you. It is hidden now, but I saw it. It is the key to your light, is it not? There are enough explosives under us to tear a walker in two. Troy it, he said, looking at the ceiling. Kill us both. You'll do my work for me. My friends will be safe. He stopped. He had found no way out. We stared at each other across the barrier. What are you waiting for? he asked. I thought about it and found I could not do it, given the choice. Out of fear? Indignation? Perhaps both. I thought I had nothing to lose, and I was wrong. Do you think, I said slowly, that if I allowed you to live, the great machine would bless me again? The saint did not respond. It loves you, does it not? And the gunfire of my shanks echoed faintly outside, 
and I keyed a switch on my waist rig, and the barrier came down, the doors unlocked, and outside my shanks ceased firing. The saint stared down at me through the dented, blackened helm, and he left. I assume he convinced his friends to leave, too. I kept watch on him through the vast cabal battle net, and he has continued since to lead many successful campaigns against my people. And that's the end of the reading. What? <laughs> what? I don't even know. I don't even know what I don't even know. Like, how? First, first, okay. First, how did he outsmart him? How did how did this little? I say little Elixney as if he's nothing. He's a, he's a captain. He's a baron. He he's a shadow. Shadow of Callus, like that's like the highest rank you could get in Callus's hierarchy, and then to like lead him in there and trap him—that's yeah. Well, I think I think there's a a couple things. Like he trapped him, yes, but he also trapped himself. Yeah, like yeah. the the <laughs> whole thing. One way path. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was, I know that I have that building rigged to blow up in a way that I think will be enough firepower to kill him. And well, and that's the thing too. Is like he's he's expecting it to be able to kill the saint, and Sank's sh- Sank, bleh. his ghost, saint his little shank, shank. his yeah. little shank. I love that he keeps referring to him as a little shank. <laughs> yeah, but like he like I don't know because where does the ghost go when it despawns? I mean, I don't know that we know, and That's, the I don't know that they know either. The Elixni at this point certainly don't know. He just like I saw him come in here. He's hiding, but he's got to be hi- here he's somewhere. Be physically in this space, right? Oh my gosh! So he doesn't he doesn't even know that like he does this, and he this Baron would die, the the body of Saint would die, and then the ghost would just be like, Boop. yeah. So from from the Baron's perspective, he's like, hey, I I can I'm blow us both up. Yeah, and and you Saint, you know, Saint came into this room because, you know, I I think from Saint's point of view and from any guardian's point of view, like they're invincible. Yeah. Like they're they're like there's nothing you can do that's going to to actually like pose true harm to me. Uh, and so Saint walked in and got himself stuck, and is like, all right, do it, pull the trigger, blow us up, and this. Elixney has that like I thought I could do it. I thought I could could, you know, do like do a suicide mission, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but I just I don't I don't have it in me. Like he you know, when it when it came down it's, to it, he's like, I can't press the button. It's interesting what happens when crazy looks crazy in the face and crazy answers back. And, and like, that's essentially what happens. Like the elixir is crazy for, for even thinking that this is going to work, gets him in there, gets him locked down. And is like, all right, suicide go. And then crazy looks back and goes, do it. I dare, yeah. I double dare you. What are you going to do? And then like you answer, like you're like, w- w- what? No, I'm the crazy one. You can't also be the crazy one. That's not how this works. <laughs> So from the Elixir's point of view, he comes to the, the realization that he can't he can't pull the trigger. And so he his his rationale now 
as he's had this discussion with the saint is, you know, you have been gifted the light by the great machine. The great machine loves you. That's why it gave you these gifts. So if I don't kill you, if I let you walk away, do you think it'll love me too again? I'm telling you, that's what, that's, that's, that's a level of, that's, that's a religious thing, myth. Oh, I mean, like the, the fallen very much, like it's the great machine. They revered it as a God as well in a lot of ways. This is, this is, yeah, (laughs) this is dangerous myth. This is, wow. I just realized the scope of what, what is going through this elixney's mind wow and so the the elixney drops the trap drops the barrier between itself and saint and unlocks the doors and is is essentially saying like i am not going to try to to harm you in hopes that you know our god will choose me again that's 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 fucked up, myth. It's dangerous as shit, but it's Jesus. This is, <laughs> and you know, we we don't know what was going through Saint's head at the time, like what his perspective yeah. on all of this was. But uh, Saint just walked away. Saint Saint that's, left that's this Elixni alive and and walked away. I and did continue to still lay siege to other Elixni encampments, but. For whatever reason, this interaction, he he let this one go. It it had to have it had to have got to him mentally. Oh, I right? think like, so. I think like so. for an elixir to go, do you think it'll love me? Like that just just that even that concept, I think, is enough to like put a put a kink in 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 Saint's thought pattern and go, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and just like start thinking about that concept of like well, I don't know. Would it like it? I mean, it was technically your god first. Like, uh, but do they do? Do guardians know that th- that at the time? Um, I mean, th- like Osiris told Saint uh, beforehand. Like, uh, you know, Osiris states like they're just chasing. They're they're chasing the traveler. Chasing like the traveler oh, okay. left them, and but Saint has said like I don't believe those stories. Like, there's no way the traveler uh, would have okay. chosen the this like this barbaric crazy people but but uh, it's funny because like they're look the 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 guardians at the time are looking at like this hordic barbaric people but they've evolved into that right because of losing the light so it's it's they're not seeing the full the full picture yet of the elixir at this point in time like we we know now that like they only resorted that because that's 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 just kind of like a I guess like a baser instinct kind of took over. Yeah, I mean, pirate thing happened, and yeah, we we know that they had the long drift, so they had to survive. Who knows how long between the whirlwind and arriving in our solar system? During the long drift, they had civil unrest and like wars between families, and like, yeah, like they. I mean, they were like they came out in a bad spot to each other. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, no, that's like, they already came out of the long drift in a bad spot where they were used to infighting and every person for themselves. And 
So it, it's no wonder that they took that same attitude into like, those are the people that stole our God from us. Yeah. 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 No, that's, again, you, you start getting that level of, of re- religious zealotry and it's, that's dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, the next area that we're going to focus on, the next, I, I hesitate to call them entries. Um, so this is after Saint has returned from his crusades. Uh, Osiris is still presumably the vanguard commander, but has been very lax in his duties as far as actually showing up to uh, direct the consensus in any meaningful way. And in a lot of cases has left Ikora to do it in his stead. Um, so this is going to be a little different uh, because I have not done a reading like this before. Um, we are going to read out of a comic. Ooh. So um, this is the Destiny 2 comic titled Fall of Osiris, and it shows the events leading up to Osiris's exile from the city. You're going to get real descriptive with these, aren't you? Well, I, I think I'm going to try and transpose it into a, um, into like just a back and forth audio as much as I can. Uh, I'm excited. With this, the, this is new territory. I'm excited. With the, with the dialogue that's happening, at least. Um, because like this is a pretty significant portion of Osiris, of like what happened with Osiris. And so I... It's not really something we can just leave out. Uh, I will say comics.bungie.net. These comics are available for free online still. Um, You can go and see them. Uh, I am going to be leaving out some of the nuance just because I can't can't transpose visual pictures into audio. I'm sorry. Oh, he's Uh, going to do it, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen. I'm going to get him to do it. So uh, I would recommend going and checking him out when you get a, get an opportunity to. Um, I thought he was a fantastic voice actor. He's going to be a transposer now. Yeah. Uh, I will say that these comics have had some criticism in the past over like not really having the same tone in game uh, as, as the characters, as far as like the dialogue choices and whatnot. Um, but I think the information or, or the general progression of the narrative is still very relevant to the, the story as we know it. Um, the, 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 the meaty bits is, is the important part. How the meaty bits are, are, are um, conveyed is not the importance, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think they're still worth going to see uh, or going and checking out. Um, but I'm going to try and put them into a format that makes sense here. So, without further ado, uh, this is the Fall of Osiris issue number one um, that goes like this. So, this is a discussion between Osiris and Ikora. They're in kind of Osiris's like workshop area, presumably. Um, and it starts with Osiris telling Ikora, they can't be bought. Ikora can't be bargained with, and when you kill them, more take their place. 
They're called the Vex, a threat from outside the universe. They'll kill us all if we give them half a chance. And Ikora responds, To be fair, Osiris, since the Traveler arrived, the Vex aren't the only ones who want us dead. Most of the galaxy does. True, but the Vex are a unique threat, Ikora. There's at least a chance that the other races will tire. There's a chance that they'll die out. The Vex won't do either. If what you're saying is true, we would need to be on the watch for them for, what, forever? No, my student, not forever. Forever is linear. We must oppose them for longer than forever. The next panel transitions into uh, Osiris and Ikora still continuing their discussion, but now kind of walking down a, a city street. Uh, and um, presumably we're catching them kind of midway through another conversation uh, because Ikora is um, starting this panel by saying, Osiris, you can't say things like that. And he's got some followers behind him, some people that are kind of trailing uh, him in a, a almost paparazzi kind of way. And uh, and she turns to those followers and says, "Listen, uh, followers of Osiris. What what he means when he said this?" And Osiris interjects, "I mean exactly what I said. The traveler's death was a gift. You can't mean it. The traveler sacrificed itself to save us, but it, it wasn't. Look at it, Ikora." Tell me, what do you see? I see the one that created all of the guardians like us and our ghosts. It gave us the power to protect ourselves. All of this is true, but it is also the one that brought these threats to our shores. The Traveler is the first mover for the Vex and all the other threats we now face. If you want to know who's responsible for the death of billions, right there is your answer. And he's pointing up at the traveler above them. Uh, and so um, it's now a panel where it's showing, as they're progressing through the city streets, that there are posters that have been placed around the streets uh, that are of Osiris, um, or a caricature of Osiris, and underneath it, it says, The Guardian of Truth. Um, and it explains that, uh, in kind of the subtext, that um, these things that Osiris has been saying about like the research he's been doing uh, have all been over... He's been very open about it. He's not trying to hide this info. They've all been overheard by people either in the city or he's actively been like doing seminars kind of thing and people are misconstruing this into uh, essentially another religion where Osiris is the true kind of prophet uh in that uh in 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 that viewpoint rather than the speaker 
Uh, and so Osiris finds one of these posters and he's very upset by it and tears it down. And uh, Ikora, you know, comments, you know, I don't know what you expected, Osiris. What I expected were people to hear my message, to follow my teachings, and aid me in my research into the Vex. Not to turn me into a celebrity. We are fighting a never-ending battle against literal forces of darkness. I am not concerned with name recognition. And the next panel that we get now is uh, Saint coming in, uh, coming in with a dropship, and now it is just Osiris in a dropship of his own, presumably called out there um, by Saint. Uh, and the subtext here um, is saying, you know, Ikora has been trying to reach Osiris, and she's not the only one. Um, others have been trying to make a breakthrough and make him understand. Uh, and so now we have, um, you know, uh, Sagira uh, talking to Osiris as Saint is approaching, and Sagira asks him, you know, why did Saint want to meet all the way out here? The man wants to talk, and when Titans talk, there is oftentimes property damage. Saint transmats in, and Osiris greets him. Saint 14, it's good to see you again. I've heard you now call your ship the Grey Pigeon. Pigeons are the only birds left in the city, Osiris. I remember them, and I remember what we're fighting to protect. It's something we both should be fighting for, Osiris. You are vanguard commander now. You are the wall that stands between humanity and oblivion. I am fighting the war my way, which is, that I don't mind saying, the only way that will let us win. I am not the only one concerned. Father is concerned too. But these are just words and we could share these over comms. Come on, show me what the vanguard commander can do these days. And so they have a sparring match, essentially. Um, aggressive negotiations. <laughs> aggressive negotiate negotiations, yeah. Uh, and so we... Uh, but they, they do kind of like talk... Uh, between trading blows um and so that discussion more or less we we call that shit talking <laughs> not it. not exactly in this case <laughs> um but that discussion more or less goes like this uh so cyrus starts uh based off the whole um father is worried and he says don't tell me you still believe in the speaker enough to call him father he is the voice of the Traveler, brother. When he speaks, we should all listen. Everyone obeying one man isn't a civilization. It's a dictatorship. There must be room for dissent, for skepticism, for research. There is, my friend, but not for us. We are soldiers, and you are supposed to be our leader. Do not lead us to a place we cannot go. 
What would you have me do, my friend? Abandon my studies, hand this world and everything in it, including your pigeon, over to the Vex? I would have you stay on the path with us. Please, Osiris, do not do this. My path is my own. And Osiris kind of stomps off back to his ship. Uh, so the next panel here is now taking place uh, in the tower, or one of one of the original towers at least. Uh, and this is um, uh, Ikora, uh, Andal Brask now at this point, and Sate 14, uh, as well as Saladin is, is here uh, kind of off to the side. And uh, and so Andal is now speaking about someone we we uh, know about from previous uh, episodes. And he's speaking into like a comm unit uh, and he's saying. Fallen around the move, Saladin, one of my scouts, Cade six, has eyes on the Kell of Kings. Do you trust him, Andal? Cade may act like an irresponsible idiot when he's outside the tower and, well, when he's in the tower too, come to think of it, but you have never seen him in action. I trust him with my life. If Cade says trouble is coming, Saladin, I suggest we believe him. And then the speaker walks into this command center uh, as this discussion is happening and interrupts, saying, And what? does Osiris say? And they all kind of turn to acknowledge the speaker. And uh, the speaker addresses Ikora and says, Osiris, child, where is he? Uh, he sends his regards, speaker. He what? His, his research is at a critical stage, speaker. I've confirmed with the Jensen scribes. They're consulting the records, but there's no indication that uh, I did not ask for the opinion of a student, Ikora. Where is Osiris? I may be a student, but I am a guardian. I am perfectly capable of handling this in his absence. Do you believe this city can be defended without the commander of the vanguard? Without the warlocks? The warlocks are here, speaker. I speak for them, and we will protect this city from both the fallen and any other threats. And then Saint comes in. Uh, Father, do not worry. Osiris will not abandon his duty. And then we move on to uh, the next panel, which is uh, Ikora now um, speaking to Sagira in Osiris's workshop as Osiris is, you know, meddling away with with some some kind of vex construct and often the the uh, background. I. Uh, and Sagira is, is uh, uh, addressing Ikora, saying, 
Uh, don't worry about it, Ikora. Yes, Osiris is distracted right now. Yes, he's seen some things. I uh, still trying to figure it out, but Saint should have known that Osiris wouldn't be wouldn't put up with politics or that weird or the the creepy speaker. Uh, and Ikora then goes, Sagira, the speaker is the leader of the consensus. So, does that make him a god? People are worried. The speaker has been teaching that Osiris is obsessed, dangerous. The speaker claims that his followers are being led to their destruction. You're his ghost. You have to talk to him, Sagira. He doesn't, he doesn't listen to me anymore. Eh, the speakers all talk. At least they named him right. And besides, this whole followers of Osiris thing is, is just a fad. They'll find something else to latch on to soon. Osiris knows what he's doing. And so Ikora, you know, is kind of rebuked and uh, leaves the workshop. Uh, and the next panel, um, and uh, second to last panel, of this this book uh, is showing us someone dressed in uh, the cult of Osiris robes, uh, very similarly to a brother Vance, although it does not appear to be brother Vance, um, who is uh, kind of like up on a soapbox, uh, talking to this this crowd of people uh, around him, um, and uh, and he's he's announcing to the crowd. I have heard his voice, learned his teachings. Osiris has transformed me. When you know as I do what the Traveler really is, you will never believe the lies of the consensus again. And Osiris is uh, walking by in t down the street as well to, to kind of catch the attention of, of these people. And they're, they're all shouting at him like, there he is, the teacher, Osiris, tell us what is to come. Are we to die today, tomorrow? Oh, great one, people need your guidance. Uh, and then they, they see um, Sagira and, and they're also kind of like fanboy over Sagira and like the ghost of the great one. She has noticed me, I am blessed. Uh, and Ikora approaches Osiris now uh, and, and tells him, perhaps you should speak to them, Osiris. Encourage them to find their own truths. And he responds, uh, walking away from the crowd, a distraction from my research. I see now that entertaining the followers of Osiris was a mistake. The only way to ensure my words don't get twisted would be to write them down. Nikora responds, Anything you write will be treated as holy text, Osiris. No, no, I will make it very clear that this is research, not religion. Ikora, I already know what you're about to say. Yes, that this is madness. You don't understand. I will choose my words carefully. My student, I promise you, once the fruits of my research are available to read without distortion, the followers and the speaker alike will stand down. They'll see what I speak of in the future is data-driven, not some prophecy. 
well, the very next panel and the last panel is now another person in those robes of Osiris holding a book with Osiris's symbol on it, uh, who's kind of hawking to the crowd uh, that, you know, the the uh, Osiris's book of prophecies, you know, come come get one now before supplies are gone. Uh, and there's a close-up of the uh, kind of poster behind this person, um, the sales tent. And uh, it says, prophecies of Osiris, learn the future, know the traveler's true purpose, prepare for the darkness. And we see, uh, zooming out, we see Saint and the speaker are at the back of this crowd and seeing what is going on. And Saint is trying to, to console the speaker to, to some degree. And he is saying, Father, I'm, I'm not sure that this will be necessary. The speaker saying, it is entirely necessary. Collect them all, every copy, and burn them. I will not have this heresy infecting my city. And that's the end of the first comic. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of shit going on in here. Yes. <laughs> um, the, main, the main thing to kind of take away from this entire comic is this is the beginning of the Cult of Osiris. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's... Osiris is... Man, it's, it, there's a transformation happening here. Osiris is still kind of reeling from all these losses throughout everything and, and still trying to say, hey, there's a bigger dark here. There's a bigger picture we need to look be looking at. And um it's it's again, it's that he is becoming legend. Like there's there, you know, little he tells one person like you know, well it's the traveler's fault. Or you know, he tells the whole crowd, it's the traveler's fault that we're even in this situation. Like if the traveler never showed up, we would never you know, none of this would have ever happened. So yeah, that big dead thing up there did nothing but but create more issues for us, and then of course you you tell that to a few of the to a few of the wrong people who take it a little bit too literal, and now you've started this like following, and we see the posters in the, around the city of, hey Osiris speaks the truth, learn the truth from Osiris, like, and he's he's like no this is stupid I need to do I'm I'm here to do research like I I'm. I'm trying to find the bigger threat. I'm trying to find the rest of the Vex and 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 figure out what the bigger threat is in 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 terms of the Vex. And then you know more time passes, and now you got people up there preaching. Hear the words of Osiris. Look upon his ghost and have his ghost bless you for the yeah. Like this is and Osiris is like this is fucking crazy. This is this is stupid. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna do my research. I'm going to write all this shit down. And then they're like, no, 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 no. You write that down. Now you've got a holy text. Like, you got to you gotta not do that. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. I'll just, it, look, I'm going to write all my research down. It'll be a science paper. It's fine. Two weeks later, come find the Holy Bible of Osiris. <laughs> Get your copy today. Yeah, no, it's yep. it, the whole thing just goes downhill instantly. Like, he's created this 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 cult of personality out of out of act like just act kind of accidentally just kind of like speaking his mind but like you speak your mind to the wrong people and they're going to take it way too literal and then now you've got this this yeah. like 
And now the speaker's like, no, this cannot happen. Burn it all. And now, now for, for that to come from a, uh, I mean, we've said it before, a religious head, burn all these texts. Like now it's starting to become a religious war. Yeah, well, and, uh, and the speaker even says, I will not have this heresy yeah. in my city. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is full-on religious war between father and son, essentially. Um, and that's, like, that. that's bad. That's, yeah. There there are no winners bad. in that situation. Like, you oust Osiris as a, as a, as a competing force, like... You burn his text, and then all that does to the to the zealot, the zealot followers is like, oh, see, they they don't want us to see the truth. That the we that, that means that Osiris has something to say, and it's it's correct and and right and and just, and and we need to we need to further our purpose. Like, there's no there's no fucking winning at this point. Yep. Yep. So. Um... That is actually where we are going to stop for this episode. I know we're cutting it a little shorter than we normally do, but uh, just the the next entry is um, is another comic, and that's going to take us well over our normal time. And this is kind of a good a good stopping point. So I say we will continue what the the decline of yeah. the city and the civil unrest uh at the start of our next episode it is that is interesting to kind of see this like this rise and fall of of what's going on the the you know the rise rise of the golden age and the fall of the collapse and then the the further fall with the with the risen and and the warlords and then the the slow climb back up to like oh now we have a city we have a we have a a, a centralizing point and then it, now now it starts becoming religious in nature of oh the traveler the god yes praise the praise the traveler and then it'd be like well i mean yeah praise the traveler but he's kind of the reason like we're in this spot like a a heresy no you get out of here you and then to see the downfall start happening again like yeah yeah this is this is this is wild this is this is just wild okay well uh we got any shout outs uh, we do have a shout out for this episode. Um, so I say this one is coming to us from uh, Apple Podcast. Someone was kind enough to leave us a text review there, uh, a five star review at that. So thank you very much for that. Um, this is coming to us from a Siltharis uh, who says, Absolutely love listening to you two and your brainstorming banter. Myths spot on predictions and Zor's. Well, he makes me laugh. Yay! Uh, <laughs> and I I'm think I'm doing my part. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I listen to you guys like it's a full time job, forty to fifty hours a week, uh, and you have made me fall oh, in love is. with the lore of the universe. Uh, just when I was falling out of love with the game, uh, <laughs> then they say the Emperor protects. Wait, wrong far future fantasy. Wrong far future. <laughs> The emperor is an elithid and he needs to die. I mean, no, wait, he's no bad. I think in this case they're making a 40k reference, but oh, uh, well, I went Baldur's Gate with it because I've been so sucked into Baldur's Gate. I understandable. Um, but anyways, they say, I uh, love you guys and keep it up. I do, I do so like thank the you. 40k reference too. That's both, both, but that could go either way. And that I like both of them, yeah, 
Yeah. But I, I'm glad you enjoy it apparently enough to listen to a lot of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, and again, he, he brings up like Destiny's, Destiny's in a weird spot right now. We get it. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep going though. We, we, yep. we really like doing this. It, it's, it's, Myth and I kind of had like a, a little back and forth before we recorded this of like, do we do it? Do we not do it? Do we, do we like, what's, let's take a temperature here of each other. And at the end of the day, we're like, no, this is the, this is about the stories. This is about the cool stories that are, that happen in destiny that aren't told uh, up front and center. Like we love seeing the, the, you know, like what is the driving force behind Osiris? Why, why does he, why is there a cult of Osiris? You know, what makes Saint so, you know, noble and, and, and regal and, and, yeah, like like how did he become the 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 pigeon lover? Like, I, that's what that's <laughs> yeah. what we're here for. We're we're here to to tell those cool stories. Like, and that's what we're gonna keep doing. Absolutely. So right. I say that is uh, that's the the only shout out we've got for this episode. Um, but if you like what you heard and you want to support us in some way, uh, leaving a review on your platform of choice goes a long way. Um, that really helps if your platform allows it and you feel strongly enough, you want to leave a text review. We love reading those. Uh, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at myths and stories Z instead of an S and stories. Uh, and you may hear yourself as a future shout out. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't created a character in a while, so I guess I don't really have anything to thank. (laughs) Um, I don't know. What can we think? You know what? Thank you, Sunbracers, for A, <laughs> being the best freaking exotic in the world for solar warlocks. Uh, I mean, Osiris uses them. And he's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a religious head. So if he uses them, they've got to be good, right? <laughs> that's not the right reasoning you should I feel use. Like that, yeah. I feel like that's, that's a, some dangerous reasoning that's there. A, that's a poor reasoning. All right. Uh, anything else, Myth? No, that's it. All righty. Well, then, from all of us, Lord Daddies, to all of you Guardians out there, we'll see you next time.